Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And today we're in the fifth week of our This is the Old Testament series, and our dear friend Kelly Minter is back. Kelly is a Bible teacher, a Bible student, most importantly, and just a local friend here in Nashville. And we just love to read scripture with her. She is also the host of a brand new podcast called the Cultivate Podcast, where she opens her Bible and reads God's word and talks about it. So you know that she's a kindred spirit to us. And this episode really taught me a lot. And I think you guys are going to learn a lot as well. So let's get right to it. Welcome back, friend. We're happy to welcome a member of the Five Timers Club. Hey, I'm so excited. I love it, being is here. Is she the Five Timers? Like, is she the only member? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the founder, the oh, founding member I, oh, of this, the Five Timers Club. I'm so Club. happy about this. This yeah. is awesome. Founding member and president. And president. Hey, <laughs> CEO. This there is, needs this to is... be a real cute jacket. Like, it's not going to be a blazer. It's going to be denim. It should it's be a denim cute. jacket. And yeah. every time we could put a patch on it. You yeah. know, and I'm sad I didn't bring my denim jacket because I could have today. Listen. Yeah. Really, this would have been the day. I mean, Amanda and I are here in uniform. So. Yeah, I know. Never Black know. leggings, denim jacket, tennis shoes. That's I did a, bring my tennis shoe yeah. game today. So, um, well, and listen, I mean, this is our fashion podcast. And so that's why we've gathered here today to talk about this. We are fa- nothing if not fashionable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have the wrong person. I can tell you that. Right I now. feel like if anybody can combine like cute tennis shoes and Ezekiel, it's us. I know. I walked in and Rachel's like, this is going to be so easy. I'm like, easy? These are like some of the harder books <laughs> yeah. in the Old Test. But I know what you meant by easy. When you I just said meant easy, it's natural. because you're here, Kelly. No, no, no. <laughs> you just meant natural conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So we, we are. are jumping into, I mean, it's week five mm-hmm. of the seven week Old Testament study. We're we, over halfway through. We're over halfway through. Through the Old Testament. Right. Yes. Which um, is an accomplishment. Yeah. Friends. That's an accomplishment. We are going to be crossing over from the major prophets into the minor prophets. Major and minor imply importance. That's not the case. Major and minor simply imply their length. That's right. But we're going to be doing a little bit of both today. I'm just excited. As I was prepping for this week and this conversation, I was just excited because in these six books, we see so much about God. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. especially in these six, it feels like there's just a largeness to yes. him. And then, I mean, we're going to get to see this God who wants to hear our lament and hears them and, and responds to them. And then we're going to get the God who isn't soft on sin, but he's like, man, like unprecedentedly tender. Mm. Like, we're going to see mm-hmm. that in the book of Hosea. He's going to bend the knees of kings in Daniel. Yeah. And he is going to insist on nothing short of our entire hearts yep. in Joel. Like, this is a good week. It's a mm-hmm. good set of books. It's not a light week. It's not. Yeah. So these but, books, I mean, every one of these, like, as I'm looking at, at our list for this week, every one of these books can be very heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and difficult to understand yes. sometimes. Yeah. Because yes. chronologically, sometimes That's right. they jump to and from, and you're reading going, well, no, wait a minute, where are we here? Right. You know, Ezekiel gets transported. So it's hard. But one of the things that's really helped me is, especially when we're dealing with the prophets, is to determine early on just a couple things. 586 BC. Right. Okay. So that's when yep. Nebuchadnezzar comes, Babylon destroys the temple, takes out Jerusalem, and when the exiles get deported to Babylon. Now, there are exiles that get deported earlier than that, and there's different streams and such, but that's such a key date. Yeah, and, that's helpful. And it's a landmarker for so many of these prophets. The other kind of key date is 722 B.C., which comes earlier because yeah. BC's you know going right. backward comes you know what 150 years earlier and that's when the northern kingdom gets attacked by Syria and they get exiled and those two dates are so significant because they give us time and place for where so many of these prophets are now a lot of these prophets are going to be either right before the exile of 587 BC mm-hmm. during the exile or after and for me, that helps me because yeah. otherwise it's just doom and gloom and judgment and yes. then this kind of weird future restoration. And you're like, where is all of this sitting? And it's sort of like when we're watching these World War II movies, like the Holocaust movies, you know, you always see it pops up like, you know, Warsaw, Poland, 
1939. Right. And so you know, okay, it's just beginning. Or when the Allies come, 1945, oh, it's the end. Because we've got a little bit of a time and place for that. And so I think if we can get those dates in our mind, get the place in our mind. Yeah, that's helpful. And what happened. Then you start to read these prophets. And another thing to I think is helpful to know is like, is this a northern kingdom prophet? Or is this a southern kingdom prophet? Like, is this a prophet to Jerusalem? Or is this a prophet up to the northern kingdom? Because different things were happening for different reasons. Once I began to get some of those puzzle pieces, I began to be able to root these more difficult books and go, ah. And every time I open one up, I'm like, is this pre-exile? Is this post-exile? Is this during the exile? Like Ezekiel's kind of like before and during. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's just a little, that's kind of like oh, that's so something helpful. that's just really helped for me. That sense of place. So yeah. the two dates are? You got 722 BC yep. is when the Northern Kingdom falls. Okay. And they never come back. Okay. So all yeah. those tribes, you've got like, I think 10 tribes in mm-hmm. the Northern Kingdom, never to return. Now, God does a lot with that. I mean, Jesus in, with Samaria and the New Testament yeah. is really cool. It gives me chills talking about it. But, and then you've got, you know, you've got the tribe of Judah and I think Benjamin in the southern kingdom, which is Jerusalem. Okay. And that falls in 586 BC. And think about this. The monarchy ends then. So like you've got King David and all, all these kings, Jeroboam, Josiah, good kings, bad kings, all that ends, ends. never comes back. They come back out of exile, but they never have the land back. Never the way that they want it. Right. Never the way that they think according to the covenant of Abraham. So so there's all this yeah. going on. And when you get that in your minds, all of a sudden, all these books begin to take shape. And before it was just a big confusing yeah, <laughs> mix absolutely. of like, what's going on here? And we talked last week just slightly about this. I'm so glad you're framing this in the way that you are, Kelly, because we did not do it's that very, well. very helpful. Um, but we talked just a little bit about don't forget that this is in place. Like this is happening in not just the timeline of the Bible, but in the timeline of world history. Yes. So when we're yes. talking about these dates, like on the timeline that folds out in the She Reads Truth study book, yes. you can see 776 B.C., that's when the first Olympics happened in Greece. So wow. like that's happening in the world. And what is it? 660 BC. That's when the empire of Japan is established. So things are happening in the world. And this is one of the things that is happening yes, in the world. Absolutely. And getting all of those kings and places and yeah. what's ha- all of a sudden begins to really make sense. You know, God's people and Israel's story. Yeah. This has been, yeah, I'm glad you said that. And I love the timeline because it does put it in time and place. Yeah. The other thing that is, I think, helpful to just pause for a minute and talk about is to talk about the genre of prophecy in scripture, mm-hmm. because it is unlike <laughs> anything else. And if, right. you're, and if you're yeah. new to the Bible, like you just said, Kelly, it can be very disorienting, oh, very yeah. weird, mm-hmm. very dark. And so understanding the historical context and cultural context mm-hmm. is so key. And then understanding who these people are, who are these prophets and what are they doing? Where are and they? So, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so to know that, first of all, I mean, it matters that we know that we understand this and have this framework because major and minor prophets make up almost half of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to read the Bible, you're going to read the prophets. Uh-huh. to read the prophets. Yeah. Yeah. And so the prophets were human beings. They were people mm-hmm. who were appointed by God to be his messengers. So they were in these really dark cultural mm-hmm. contexts and they were mouthpieces right. for mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. So they weren't speaking for themselves. They were speaking for God to his people, often in the context that you're talking about, like exile, destruction, sin, lots of sin, lots of mm-hmm. lots of turning away from the mm-hmm. Lord. Calls to repentance. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so and their message was very often return, yeah. return mm-hmm. back, repent, mm-hmm. draw near to the Lord. You're going to see a lot this like refrain of return, even in this week's scripture, even in the small selections we have from these books, we're going to see the word return uh-huh. and turn to the Lord over and over. And it just shows us that, I mean, what kind of God takes human beings and sends them out as ambassadors to his people that are in these in these mm-hmm. difficult situations and says you know I see everything that's going on I see how you are dishonoring me and turning away from mm-hmm. me and I want you to come back yeah yes like I've seen all of that and I still want you back yes. because I have covenanted with you mm-hmm. like the relationship that these books are evidence of mm-hmm. is really 
pretty stunning. It's Mm -hmm. an earthquake moment, as our Mm -hmm. friend Joe Saxton would say, that God has sent these prophets to talk to his people and say, come back. And also, I mean, there's a lot of warning Mm -hmm. in these books, but even that, like, wouldn't you warn the person that you love? (laughs) Yes. And it's not easy to be a prophet. I think sometimes yeah. we have this idea in our minds today, oh, like, like, oh, I mean, you know, I don't have these prophetic abilities How where cool. I can just like tell the future. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not really I get to what be the mouthpiece of God. Yeah, yeah it's not. No, yeah. and the prophets are—they're suffering. Almost all of them are suffering, and they're very much in and among the people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so compelling yeah. too and challenging is that we have this sort of ideal a little bit in our culture where we've kind of turned this you know, Christian service into celebrity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where there's a distance between the celebrity, you know, and the common people. And like, that is not a no, biblical no. Yeah. model here. I mean, no, these, these prophets are, we'll talk about yeah. Ezekiel, but he's like, he has to eat the mm-hmm. words of lament and pain. He does these dramas, like these dramatizations which is very much taking on the weight of the people. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah, very similar. So there's a real salt of the earth kind of thing that happens with the prophets. And I don't know, it's pretty cool. Or look at Hosea. Like he's got a, my goodness, that was not a party. No, tall, tall order. Yeah. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but just again, to kind of ground that these are real people with difficult tasks. Yeah. And some of which resist in the beginning, like Lord, not me. You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm good. Mm-hmm. This is for real stuff. So, I mean, and going straight into you know our first two books on day one are Jeremiah and Lamentations, and you know, as far as like broad goal here in this particular study, the, our approach to this is you know we're covering every book of the Bible over twelve weeks, and so the purpose of that is to get a general idea of what's happening in that book of the Bible, and also to see and understand how these books connect with each other, connect mm-hmm. with all of Scripture. I mean, but you talked about prophets who have a tough job. I mean, Jeremiah was known as the wailing prophet. Right. Right. And he not only wrote the book of Jeremiah, but also, of course, Lamentations. Which is why we have them grouped together. Yeah. You know, we've put some of the books of the Bible we have grouped in kind of couples through this study so that we could get, you know, make our way through. And and so these are not grouped together by happenstance, but Jeremiah is the author and the context is similar. So the book of Jeremiah it chronicles God's prophecies to Judah about their future captivity in Babylon and the new covenant, mm-hmm. the promise of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. And Lamentations, also written by Jeremiah, is Jeremiah just expressing his grief yeah. over the fall of Jerusalem and the exile of his people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love, you have it highlighted here on day 29, but obviously the new covenant reference that this is such a key passage, Jeremiah 33, and it's those verses 14 through 16, but that 30, if I could just read 33, where he says, instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. Here we go. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And this is a huge prophecy. Ezekiel has a very similar one. And you see them saying very similar things about this day that's coming where the law is going to be, there's going to be a complete restoration of the heart. And obviously, we, you get all the way over to Second Corinthians and you have it highlighted mm-hmm. here too, where the law gets on the heart. And Paul is very much has this passage in mind. Yes, And I think that is... It's so interesting because here they are in the bleakest, hardest time, and the prophet is prophesying about this day that's going to come. And what gets me about this, Kelly, is that the verse after that, verse 34, no longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Mm. And that all of that go. is happening by the power of the Lord. So it's God's power, you know, because we can read we can read verse 33 on its own and think, oh, how sweet. He's going to put his law in their hearts. Right. But this is an act of power 
of the Lord, the ability to do that. Yes. And, and this is his power and his mercy and his love all displayed in the new covenant that he is going to bring to pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you all, I think you mention it, I think it's on this day, yeah, on page 152, you talk about that new covenant passage in Jeremiah. It gets all the way back to the promise to Eve and then Abraham, the covenant, David, that second Samuel um, 7, 16 through 19, that's all about how there will always be a a ruler on the throne of, you know, King David. And so Mm -hmm. we get to Jesus. So there's just a lot wrapped up in that prophecy, which was really exciting. There's also... In Jeremiah 29, just kind of a well-known passage that where Jeremiah talks about basically like, hey, while you are in captivity, make the best of it and bless the people around you. You know, plant, go ahead, build your house. (laughs) And if you prosper, the city will prosper. And Tim Keller talks a lot about that passage. And I think it's relevant for us today, too, because even though we're in the absolutely the new kingdom, it hasn't come in full. And so it's like, how do we take that picture from Jeremiah in chapter 29 and go, okay, hey, we're not planting here forever, yeah. but we're going to serve our cities and serve our communities yeah. so that they prosper and hopefully turn to Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, So that's another really awesome chapter in Jeremiah that you can just go and read that chapter and you'll glean a lot for like, there's a word there for us today that's right. as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And then Lamentations is, of course, I mean, you mentioned already, Amanda, what it is, but it's exactly what it says it is. It's, yeah. it's Lamentations. Yeah. And it's an interesting structure, this book. It's five chapters, and each individual chapter is a Lamentation written by Jeremiah, and then kind of does this beautiful, Is it, it's called a chiastic structure. There you is go. That right? Yeah. yeah. We're like right at the top middle, middle. verses mm-hmm. of the middle chapter, you get this beautiful moment. But what we also know, we've studied as a community, we've studied Lamentations before, but we've also studied Lament before in our morning and dancing study. So we know that kind of the structure of a lament, it kind of starts with the complaint, and then it goes straight to a confession of trust, then an appeal for deliverance on the grounds of the Lord's faithfulness. Right. And then also it goes to sort of this like certainty that you've been heard. And it's interesting to me that in some ways you kind of see not only that structure in each of the laments, but you see that in the full structure of the book of Uh Lamentations. Like I was reading last night, Looking at, I was just looking at my Bible, and so I know that every Bible has different headings, you know, the yes. chapter headings or whatever. They're not canon. But it was interesting to read those. For chapter one, how lonely sits the city. For chapter two, the Lord has destroyed without pity. Chapter three, great is your faithfulness. Mm. And then chapter four, holy stones lie scattered. And chapter five, restore us to yourself, O Lord. Mm. And you just like, you see See. this, like this flow of lament, even in the book Mm -hmm. of Lamentations. I mean, I would love to read just for our listeners to kind of like, we've kind of talked big picture about this book, but like, let's read maybe one little because it's a poem or a song almost um, written, but let's read one little phrase and yeah. then maybe also the key verse. Yeah, this is Lamentations chapter 1, verse 12. Is this nothing to you, all who pass by? Look and see, is there any pain like mine, which was dealt out to me, which the Lord made me suffer on the day of his burning anger? I mean, that's the taste of lamentation. That's exactly right. What about verse 14? My transgressions have been formed into a yoke, fastened together by his hand. They've been placed on my neck, and the Lord has broken my strength. I was looking at that, and I thought, I have it underlined in my Bible, because I thought, how many times has my sin turned in to (laughs) a yoke? A a trap. Yeah, yeah, a yoke. A burden. A bondage. And we think the Lord is so tough Mm-hmm. For on our sin, but this is why. Yeah, because it, it you know nobody goes out and says, "Hey, I want to destroy my life," you yeah. know, or whatever. But then here we are sometimes because of our own sin. And I just thought, wow, what a word yeah. there. And I think it's just beautiful that in all of these, you know, like complaints, that's what they are. Uh-huh. That then the appeal to the Lord is not on the basis of. So this is like, this is the bargain I'd like to make with you, Lord. If you would, Mm -hmm. I would. You know, it's these appeals to the Lord are on the basis of his character, on the basis of his covenant. So then when you get to, you know, chapter three, our key verse is verse 22 and 23. um, It says, 
so again, we're building up all of these lament, lament, mm-hmm. lament. And then it says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will mm-hmm. put my hope in him. Yeah. So it's not only the centerpiece of the book. That's right. But it also, I think, shows us to, you know, because Lamentations focuses on this, those verses. But I think it also teaches us that that should be where we orient our focus. That's great. Yeah. And like bringing our, you know, bring our lament, like very much like we talked about last week with the Psalms, with Jenny, that the Psalms teach us how to pray Mm -hmm. and a lot like give us examples of prayer. And a lot of those examples show us, show lament and show us bringing our whole self to God, all of our emotions and not editing that out for the Lord. Right. And Lamentations does that too. It shows us what it looks like to lament while still holding the truth high that, that he is faithful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we did our spiritual discipline study, when we did uh, our faith and practice study, There was a quote on the lament today. Lament was one of the practices we covered. Mm -hmm. And it was a quote by our friend Ann Voskamp that lament Mm -hmm. is a cry of belief in a good God. And so that like as believers, we should lament. It's not Mm -hmm. pretend like nothing's wrong. That's not the call. The call is no, like bring, we have a place to bring that. And the reason that we can cry out with confidence is because we know that God is good. Right. Like we right. know who he is. His word tells us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you all have done too here in the book, just where you've got these New Testament passages that quote mm-hmm. yeah. some of this. And I think, again, the prophets really begin to open up to us too when we see Jesus quoting some of the prophets, right. yeah. we see Paul quoting some of the prophets and how they're interpreting them mm-hmm. in a new day. And that really helps us tie the Old Testament and the New Testament together. So I love that you've done that. And I love too, at the end of this particular of Jeremiah and Lamentations, you talk about how Lamentations does not tie up in a bow. And yeah, I yeah. think that that's really important. I One of my professors, Dr. Knut Heim, German professor, when he was teaching us this book, he said all, you know, almost all the time, the only verses that anybody talks about are those middle guys, are those middle <laughs> verses. And they're like cross stitch. And he said, every time you do that, you're mutilating mm. this. So I love that, you know, you guys are including everything around it. And Rachel, what you're talking about is God's faithfulness, not the people's faithfulness. That's it all right. hangs on him. But it this it ends is not in a lament. we will straighten up and fly right. Right. No. no. Yeah. It's his covenant that sits mm-hmm. in the middle. But That's there's the still reason. a lot of loose ends. There's still a lot of incredible pain. And he Jeremiah is hanging on to this goodness and these promises. But we can't forget that it's in the middle of just the worst that we can possibly imagine. Yeah. And I, I think that that's helpful for us. It doesn't end with these verses, these, you know, that's these exactly verses right. of the, because of the Lord's middle. faith of love, we will not perish. You know, yeah, it's in the middle. And, and I think that that should give hope to the suffering believer mm-hmm. that I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we kind of have this bumper sticker, like, faith that like, oh, you know, the Lord's got it all, you know, (laughs) and he does, but this is very real. And you guys have just done such a wonderful job Mm -hmm. bringing all of that out. It makes me think of chronic illness. You know, there are so many Mm -hmm. ears listening to this (laughs) who Mm -hmm. there are people who are experiencing chronic illness that just doesn't go away. And so as believers to, to learn how to hold God's faithfulness in one hand and God's goodness at the same time that this reality that we're experiencing is a continued reality. And then it doesn't just disappear. Like, I've never thought about that. What if Lamentations ended on those verses? Then you would think, oh, well, sweet. This is supposed, everything's supposed to be tidy. And I think a lot of times we think that our faith should make everything more tidy. And that is just not the message of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we get any tidiness, it's like, Yes, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. and But what God does is he gives, he does that to our hearts mm-hmm. within the brokenness of our bodies and the mm-hmm. brokenness of our world. He's making our hearts new too. And so we can have that resolute, like, 
focus on his faithfulness. Yes. No matter what's happening with our body. Like mm-hmm. that's a thing that he can do through his power mm-hmm. in us, mm-hmm. not heard, through our power. I heard yes. Andrew Peterson say once that he is not making all new things, that he's making all things new. Oh, that's good. And he's, not, just, he's not sweeping it in and tidying it up, but yeah. instead he's working with our broken bodies and our broken selves and making us new. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's really Leave it good. to that, Andrew Peterson. I mean, that guy. Come on. He would. He would. <laughs> well, Ezekiel, Ezekiel intimidates me. Does it intimidate Ezekiel anyone Ezekiel is something. I think it's a really, can this be. This is really why we've brought you here intimi- today, Kelly. No, no. <laughs> Please Listen, interpret the full I'm, book of I'll Ezekiel. I'll tell you, I just scratched the surface of it last summer, just taking a class of Kingdom of Israel and the Prophets, but we got to kind of really focus on Ezekiel and got, yeah. I say got to, had <laughs> to write four <laughs> different papers on this. But one of the things I think is helpful, again, to really ground this, Ezekiel as a person. So you've got Ezekiel starts out, and it's a very small mention, but he we see that he's already in exile. So he's already in exile even before 586 BC. Oh, okay. So there's been some, like, so there's some attacks, and he's already in Babylon. But listen, it says that he is a priest. So you're like, Okay, if Ezekiel's a priest in exile, in exile, like what does this mean? Well, he was obviously born in Judah or in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He's born there though, and he's a priest there. And but he's what we find out from the timeline is that King Josiah is the king, and King Josiah is one of the very few good and righteous kings mm-hmm. of Israel um, or of Judah. Also like sorry, the southern kingdom. And, huh? Isn't he like also like one of the youngest kings? You know, he might have been. Just a he might have been, but he's the one that. See, this is where I like. Yeah, did, cut me did, out did if I? I'm did wrong, I? Yeah. No, did I pay attention last summer in my class? I don't know. <laughs> but what I do know about him though is he made a lot of reforms. So it's very possible that Ezekiel had really learned about the Torah, the land, the covenant. That he would have had all of this incredible knowledge that God was preparing him for. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, think about his parents. Think about him. He's thinking, I'm going to be a priest. Like under this new King Josiah, he's come, he's made these reforms. I'm going to serve in Jerusalem. I'm going to serve in the temple. Okay. Oh. Wow. Nope. Sorry. Nope. And now he's in Babylon, but he's going to take all of this knowledge and he's, we're going to see him predict not just the destruction of Jerusalem, not just the destruction of the temple, but we're going to see him actually walk us through a vision where the glory of the Lord up and exits. Hmm the temple and exits the city. I mean, can you think of anything more just horrifying? Harrowing. Than, yeah, than the presence right. of the Lord leaving. So, but while all the people are, first of all, in just grotesque sin and selfishness, but while the common person doesn't understand what God's doing, because of Ezekiel's priestly training, we can surmise that he has a better grasp of where this is all sitting Hmm. In the story, because he's he understands the covenants, he understands the law of Moses. He, so he, he he's got a grasp on the Torah. Yeah, yes, and temple, land, all the things. And so, not only does he, you know, predict the new hearts, which we'll get to in a second, mm-hmm. but also new city, mm-hmm. new temple, like new earth. I mean, it's really, really cool. But that really struck me where I thought his dreams were probably priest in Jerusalem. Yeah, and instead he becomes prophet. Hmm. out of Babylon, out in exile, and really has one of the hardest lives of any of the prophets. Those were some of the things that I think, again, just Mm. ground ground us in this story. Yeah. It's so interesting the way the context of the key verse, our key verse is Ezekiel 36, verse 26. But in the context of it, there's a lot of talk about God's name Mm. and his kind of protection of his name. If we back up and start in 22, it says, therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went, I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. The Mm -hmm. nations will know that I am the Lord. This is the declaration of the Lord God when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols, Hmm. which that's a loaded 
concept there. And then we get our key verse. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I will give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And that refrain of you will be my people and I will be your God. We heard that in Isaiah. We heard that in Jeremiah. We're going to hear that in Hosea. Yeah. Like that's one of these, like, this is my covenant. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to do this in spite of you. <laughs> right. But I'm, and I'm doing this for my name. And there's something in me that doesn't love that language because to our finite human ears mm-hmm. in 2021. To our non-God ears. To our yeah. non-God ears. We are not God. <laughs> and that sounds like, well, that's selfish. It just feels all about him. <laughs> but that doesn't, it doesn't take away Mm-mm. from his goodness or his love right. for us, for his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually enhances that because he is God. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Well, and you bring up such a good point too, Amanda, because that also, there was a, there's a passage, I think it was in Lamentations, where the Lord says, I don't delight to bring punishment right. on my people. Yeah. Because we do look at this and we go, well, why is God so mad? Why is God so angry here? When you read Ezekiel and you see it's what bad. the people are doing, what they're doing inside the temple, when we look at so much of what's going on in Israel at this time, and we see the, the times before the exile, before 586 BC, there is so much where the Lord is mm-hmm. pursuing his people and they turn away from him. He pursues his people and they turn away. He pursues his people and they turn away. And he shows compassion after compassion after compassion. And finally, it gets to this point where there is serious consequences, so serious that God actually removes his presence from Jerusalem. But we see, like you said, the covenant hold, God's name, God's faithfulness hold. And with these predictions of what's going to happen, and you read it, Amanda, I think, for verse 24, I will take you from the nations and gather you from Mm -hmm. all the countries. So think about that, how that's been already fulfilled in Christ, where the nations are coming. Because in that day, that seems really normal for us. But in that day, it was all about Israel. And really, at that point, it was really just about the southern kingdom. That was it. So again... They just have such, at that moment, they've got a limited view of what's happening. And all it seems like is utter destruction. And then Ezekiel prophesies about this new heart that is going to come. And it's going to be possible. We see with Jesus. You get all the way to Matthew 5, where Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, mm-hmm. but I came to fulfill it. And he talks about you will have this greater righteousness than even the Pharisees yeah. and even the religious leaders. All of that ties back here to Ezekiel's words, it ties back to Jeremiah's words about the law being on the heart. And we see this all fulfilled, but we can't forget that in their day, that was not on the table in their minds. Yeah. All they could see was the utter destruction. And Ezekiel is prophesying about this day that is going to come and God will be faithful to his people and they do return to the land after the exile. And even as we read this and you talk about how limited their understanding is, we just said at the top of the episode, Japan's being established right, right. now, right? Like, and God's not not there, right? Yes. Right? Like, He's at work. He's going to bring the nations all over mm-hmm. the world, right? Mm-hmm. And He's. I just think that we too, when we read the Old Testament, we are, of course, naturally, you know, Israel centric as the Old yes. Testament is. But God's plan, His ultimate gather His people mm-hmm. and dwell with them, mm-hmm. includes. Everyone from that nation that was established in 660 right. BC, right? Like, it just, it's so much bigger, and it's hard for the people then hearing these prophecies to understand. But if they anything knew exists Genesis outside of them. 12, right? So, right. They, of course, I say that. Like, do you know much of the Bible? I know that I don't always like right. adhere to, but it's, it's like Genesis 12, where the covenant comes to yeah. Abraham and says, I'm going to mm-hmm. make you in a great nation, but through that nation, all nations on the earth will be yeah. blessed. Mm-hmm. And that's where probably because of Ezekiel's priestly training, He's got a little bit firmer of a grasp yeah. on that. But I also love so much that you all included Ezekiel 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. Listen, yeah. we do not have time to read it, but it is crazy. You guys have to go read it. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this and, is your day 30 reading. And last, just one other quick thing. The Holy Spirit so is huge, huge, huge in Ezekiel. You're going to yeah. see that no matter what his training was, no matter how much he knew the law and all that, the Spirit comes on him. The Spirit fills him. And... The Lord says to Ezekiel, you, like, 
I can't remember the exact language, but basically like you breathe spirit life onto these bones. And so it's a great reminder for me too that there's nothing in our world that we can do today apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if we are like big Bible knowledge nerds, if we mm-hmm. are not filled with his spirit, that's right. he's going to be the power. Mm-hmm. The spirit's big in Ezekiel. It's such a cool story. I know. And I had remembered the highlights, yeah. but I didn't remember the part where it's like, this is the house of Israel <laughs> and they will come out. I will bring them out of their graves. Like it's, it is New Testament gospel. Right. You know, it is Jesus. Okay, friends, if you know me, you know that I love to cook. In fact, pre-pandemic, I had some of the girls from the office over to teach them how to prepare every course of a Thanksgiving dinner. It is fun to gather fresh ingredients and great people and enjoy a delicious meal together. But one thing I always tell the girls from the office is, if you're really serious about cooking amazing meals, the right tools make all the difference. That's where Made In comes in. They're a professional quality cookware and knife company, and they source the finest materials and they partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you, no middleman. Plus, Made In products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. They have more than 28,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin star restaurants all over the world. I got to try the nonstick frying pan and I loved it. It heats everything really evenly, it's super easy to clean, and I can already tell it's going to last. Right now, Made In is offering listeners 15% off your first order with promo code TRUTH. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. So go to madeincookware.com slash truth and use promo code TRUTH for 15% off your first order. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com slash truth. Use promo code TRUTH. Made In, better cookware for better meals. Knowing our Bibles is one of the best ways to know our God. But if you're anything like me, you may have been seeking God and His Word for decades, but still might not be able to articulate what the books of Joel or Deuteronomy or Titus are about. As She Reads Truth, one of our goals is to grow ourselves and our community in biblical literacy. And we're so excited to introduce you to our newest resource, The Big Picture of the Bible. This is a set of 66 theme verse flashcards, and it's designed to help kids and adults understand the big picture story of the Bible, book by book. Every card features a verse or passage from a book of the Bible that represents the theme of that book and how it fits in the larger story. If your desire is to know and understand what the books of the Bible say and how they fit together to tell one story, grab a card set and get ready to challenge your kids, your friends, your small group, or yourself to learn the big picture of the Bible. I'm so excited for you guys to get this card set. It feels so on brand for She Reads Truth and our mission. We're going to give you 15% off your card set with the code BIGPICTURE. That's 15% off with code B-I-G PICTURE at checkout. That's shopshereadstruth.com. Go get one now. You won't regret it. You know, all of this talk of different kingdoms and what's going on all over the world, I feel like is such a good segue into the book of Daniel. Because in the book of Daniel, I mean, our key verse here is all about God's kingship and that his his kingdom is the one that will last forever. This is Daniel 4, verse middle of verse 34, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. You know, we studied Daniel not too long ago mm-hmm. as a community. And so we have that study book available. If you want to dig in, we have those podcast episodes available. Um, and even more recently than that, the kingdom of God. I that's mean, right. We talked we, a lot we about touched that on here. it there too. I think the thing about this key verse that surprises me every time, I don't know why I keep forgetting, but that's not Daniel speaking. That statement of for his dominion yeah. is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. Bowing to God. I Mm -hmm. said at the top of the episode that God is big, big, big in these books, and he is bending the knees of kings. And this king who, through most of the book of Daniel, is just a terrible guy, like God brings him low in Mm -hmm. order to bring him to himself. And think about Daniel, again, serving in exile. You know, I mean, he's serving in exile. And I think that, again, so many of the prophets are out of their their homeland or they're 
in their homeland delivering difficult news. But, you know, Daniel is, yeah, I mean, he's he's in exile. And mm-hmm. that, to think about serving in places where we just feel out of place is a continued, I think, picture in the Old Testament. Yeah. And I love that about him. Yeah. I want to read kind of the rest of that little section from Nebuchadnezzar because we get this big thing, but to place it in context, like I said, it is Nebuchadnezzar. After that, he goes on and says, all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There's no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? And then he kind of breaks the fourth wall and says, at this time, my sanity returned to me. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of the heavens, because all his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. That's what's happening in the book of Daniel. Yeah. That's this big picture thing that's happening with this king who is causing so much trouble yeah. for the exile. Possibly one of the most prideful kings in history, right? right. Like, Worst right. guy. I mean, Worst guy right. award. <laughs> Worst yeah. guy award. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's, but he's the guy who throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yes. in the furnace. It's Darius who throws Daniel in the lion's den, and he's recalcitrant to do it. So it's not that's not the same king, but... But this is a kind of a, a gnarly guy. Right. Like, yeah. He's not right. good. Right. And it's not until he humbles himself before God Almighty That's that he right. begins to think clearly. Yeah. See yeah. clearly. Yeah. I just love those big, like, it's thrilling to see just big moments of repentance and these big, like, life changes mm-hmm. in people who mm-hmm. are so full of pride. It's just beautiful to me mm-hmm. that, that God mm-hmm. can do that. And that Daniel had such a faith and a trust in Yahweh, in That's the right. God of Israel. Yeah while in Babylon, mm-hmm. and you had the, probably like this pantheon of gods, mm-hmm. but he really held to the one true God yeah. when it was so, not just unpopular to do so, but where it could have cost him his life had the right. angels oh, yeah. not bound the the mouths of the lions. And that's such a conviction to me because there are times even in my own culture where I think in my neighborhood, well, I know that that person is an agnostic or I know that that person's an atheist. So I, I want to be careful about my usage of like Jesus or you know, things like that. And then you get to, to something like Daniel and you think, wow, like, where's my courage, Lord? Where's mm-hmm. my boldness? And I, because of studying some of these, I have been more assertive in those situations, you know, even maybe an unbeliever just saying like, can I pray for you? Or can I pray with you? Or I believe in in Jesus. And because he just put his whole life on the line. Okay. And talk about a prophet who had a tough time. Hosea. Uh, Yes. I mean, that's our next book, but like, that's who I think of when we think about prophets who did not walk a glamorous life. Like it was harder Mm -hmm. for them because they were a prophet. And I mean, I can't think of anybody who that was maybe more true for in some ways than Hosea. Right. And so, okay, place, before we talk about his story, place us, place him for us. Again, I'm no scholar timeline person, but I believe he's Northern Kingdom. So he's a prophet to the Northern Kingdom. Again, so that's going to be the kingdom divided, you have the northern kingdom of Israel and then you have the southern kingdom of Judah. And we've been talking a lot about that southern kingdom. Yeah. But the northern kingdom is Israel. And this comes a lot earlier than anything we've talked about in today's episode. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be well before Daniel. He's going to be before Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all. Because we've been kind of talking about that southern kingdom and that Nebuchadnezzar invading that. Right. He's so this is all North, before so that. So this is before that. Great. So that just, again, it kind of just helps me. You're a little bit different context yeah. and dealing with different tribes. And so the book of Hosea, I mean, this is how it starts. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, Go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. And what you'll find in the book of Hosea, because this sounds, it almost sounds unlike the Lord, but what's happening is that the actual life of the prophet Hosea becomes an allegory mm-hmm. for Israel's yes. relationship with God, mm-hmm. that we are, Israel is unfaithful right. to God repeatedly. And we talked about, you know, that you will be my people and I will be your God. Hosea is actually given names to name his children, not my people, you know, and then eventually at the end, I mean, spoiler alert, but like they rename the children. Now you are my people. It's a beautiful book. So we're going to be actually, I don't know if we've told the community this yet, but we're going to be reading and studying the whole book of Hosea in September this fall, um, which I'm looking forward to. But I I mean, talk to us about Hosea. 
You know, it is this, it's God's faithfulness to an unfaithful people, right? It is that, but it's like that to the nth power, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because it's God's relentless love and pursuit and faithfulness, like his active faithfulness to a people who are serial adulterers mm-hmm. in right. terms mm-hmm. of, of who they worship. That's right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's kind of just the first few chapters, I think, are about the story. And then there's a lot of prophecy and a lot more that happens. So, but yeah, I'm excited for us to study it this fall because I just, it's always been, as a woman who has been pursued by the Lord mm-hmm. over time and through my life, it's one of those books that just really, really gets to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it really is a tender book for me personally. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't read chapter 2 in this reading day, but there's so much beautiful rich scripture in chapter 2 that just describes how the Lord is is going to pursue his uh-huh. love, mm-hmm. his bride, mm-hmm. the church, and how to the point where, you know, I'm going to, and this is me paraphrasing, I'm going to block her way with thorns yeah. mm-hmm. so that she can't go in that direction. Right. I'm going to, rem- there's a verse that I love that says, I'll remove the names of the bales from her mouth mm. so that <laughs> she can speak my name yeah. and worship me. And it's just, you know, we've all been, I think, in that place. I have been in that place where, I need the faith that is a gift from the Lord, you know, remembering that faith is a gift from the Lord yes. and it's it's his love and power by which we even believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's encouraging to the passage about, well, I'll say, I think it's encouraging for people who are in wilderness experiences or where you feel like God is just blocking off your path or mm-hmm. thwarting you or life is really difficult and you can you almost feel like it's the Lord, but you can't understand. Right. And uh-huh. I remember, and I've told this story so many different times, but when I came to Nashville and had signed a record deal and all, and it was just a nightmare for several years. And I remember my manager at the time, who was managed really successful artists for years and years and years, she sat down for dinner with me and she goes, Kelly, I have never seen anything not work this much. Hmm. And she was talking about my career, right? You know, I was like, "Well, that's awesome." And uh, that's what every artist about one of those slogans, right? You never forget. But I remember reading, you know, this passage about just persuading her into the wilderness in in chapter two, verse fourteen, speaking tenderly to her at that point. But that comes after. In verse 9, you know, I will block her way with thorns. I will enclose her with the walls so she can't find her paths. All of this. And I remember thinking, Lord, you are literally like you have hemmed me in here in Mm -hmm. this town. And everywhere I turn is just a brick wall. But it wasn't. What it was, it was the Lord was alluring me into the wilderness. Hmm. And we think sometimes the wilderness is like the death and God must be against us if we're in the wilderness, but it's not. Especially if we are a believer in Christ and we're in that place, it's because he has lured us there to do a work in our lives and to do a work in our hearts. Yeah, the poetry here and all that. And even though this is about Israel and it's about a lot of things, there are still some real gems that we can pull for our lives today that I think are just as relevant yes. today for us. I th- we talked about this a little bit with Liz Curtis Higgs a couple of weeks ago, even, you know, just this, like the way that God sanctifies us doesn't make sense to us, you right. know, and the way that he draws us into places that are just, that seem almost cruel, but yeah. they're kind. And right. mm-hmm. I think about chapter two, and then in our reading for day 32, we have chapter six. And it's a little bit of a longer stretch to read on air, but I want to read some of it because... It's also where we get our key verse. It's also where we get our key verse. So starting in verse one of chapter six, come, let's return to the Lord, mm-hmm. for he has torn us and he will heal us. Right. He has wounded us, and he will bind up our wounds. Mm. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day, he will raise us <laughs> What does up. that sound like? <laughs> and so we can live in his presence. Let's strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. And then it goes on, and God says, what am I going to do with you, Ephraim? And this is a lament from the Lord. Uh, This is God lamenting. What am I going to do with you, Judah? 
Your love is like the morning mist and like the early dew that vanishes. That is why I have used the prophets to cut them down. I have killed them with the words from my mouth. My judgment strikes like lightning. And then here's our key verse. For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God laments over Israel. Yeah. That just it's, shuts me right up, yeah. honestly. And there's so That's much. Right. I can't wait for us to read Hosea together. There's so much language of the Lord. Um, there's a lot of like parental mm-hmm. metaphor mm-hmm. where like, it was I who taught you to walk. Mm-hmm. It was I who fed you right, and, right. and brought you up. And me. like, don't you remember? Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, and it's think painful. About in the New Testament where Jesus is, looks at Jerusalem and he goes, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to yeah. gather you under my wings. Yeah. But you would not. Yeah. And it's so reminiscent of this passage as well. Yeah. Mm. I think that the book of Joel, that's our last book that we are in this week, another minor prophet, and it feels like a great, a good place to land. Yeah, It's another one of those where the circumstances are crazy, like the centerpiece of this prophecy is a plague of locusts. Yeah, that's right. right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Uh-huh. You're right. Uh-huh. Um, There's some like... There's some scholarly debate. Was yes. it real locust? Yes, was he just yeah. talking uh-huh. about like referring to the army as locusts? Uh-huh. And I think the right. modern scholars kind of land on no, it, it was actual locusts. And then he kind of like immediately is like, and this is also locusts. Like that, it's kind of a little bit of a both. A little end. bit. Yeah. yeah, you'll see. Uh, yeah, I feel like we see a lot of that in the Old Testament where it's something no, there can was actually actual mean a couple things. And yeah, now the army mm-hmm. is. But this is a book where. The key verse is that it's more of that refrain of mm-hmm. return, uh-huh. of return. And um, the heart. Yeah. Yes. That's the big one here. I in Joel. want nothing short of your whole heart. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly, will you read it for us? Will you read? This is Joel 2. The key verse is verse 13, but I'm wondering if we can read maybe 12. Maybe. 12 yeah. So verse 12 is even now, this is the Lord's declaration turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, so you can offer a grain offering and a drink offering to the Lord your God. This is not the first time that we have read this verse. I think that I memorized it as rend your hearts and not your garments. Oh, it's yeah, the there you rending. Go. Uh-huh. Um, I Stru- think it feels strong, right? It feels yeah. strong. But when I read it in preparation for this episode, I just feel like the Lord was asking me, Rachel, where are you rending your garments and not your heart? Like, where are you signaling that you live for me, but where are you not giving me your whole heart? Right. And I think that that's just something that, like, I've just been in dialogue with the Lord about lately. Yeah. Just It's that, like, I don't desire the blood of goats and lambs. I desire the hearts of my people. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to put on sackcloth and put on a big show to show the world uh-huh. that that you have chosen to live for me. I want you to, I want your heart. Yeah. I want your quiet. Yes. Yeah. I love, too, that Joel, I mean, obviously the heart is a huge theme, but also this is, he's hugely known for this New Testament, chapter 2, verse 28, where he says, after that, this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity, then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. And you go over to Acts, and we see this being quoted at Pentecost. Mm. And I think that that is just is so cool. It's Peter's sermon. And he just pulls right from this. And I do think that we see something about the inclusion of women that was coming. And when you go back to when Joel was written, you know, it's a very patriarchal society. And so we see him prophesying that there's a day coming where the spirit is going to be on men and women are going to are going to prophesy, right? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And Peter pulls this at the coming of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So he's interpreting that prophecy that there's this really special day coming. And I think it's important. I think it's important yeah. for women in ministry yeah. here. Yeah, I do too. It's not an accident that, and daughters, yeah. you know, right? like yeah. this is, no. yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. I wish that we could like 
We need to come back. We study Joel as a community, but like this is one that I would love to come back we to. We didn't park in it for very long. I know it's you true. know like that's the it was the a thing drive with by reading. Joel reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It always feels that way. We need to come back to it. Here's the thing that okay. So we've talked about Kelly being a part of the Five Timers Club, and like that's currently being the Five Timers, the founder, Club. president, uh-huh. and um, only also member. janitor of the Five Timers Club. <laughs> so funny. But it's because Kelly, we love how soaked in God's word you are, and how pleasant it is, and challenging and how we learn every time we get to sit down with you and talk about scripture. Like, mm. I want our readers to know that Kelly doesn't just come onto the She Reads Truth podcast. She also has her own podcast. It's called the Cultivate Podcast. And so if you want more Kelly Minter talking about God's because Word. Because we do. And we do. Um, it's it's such an incredible place. They're usually 30-minute like episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I try to make them like fit within people's commutes Are they or weekly? like their walk. Yeah, okay. every Tuesday. Are you going Tuesday. through anything specific right now? Well, no. Right now, the first 10 episodes are really just my favorite, most impacting passages of scripture that, that have just really impacted me the most. And then we're going to see, I'm not sure if I'll, you know, do some thing. I think I will do some thematic things, yeah, but yeah. right now I'm just, it's a way for me to also get to know yeah. people by sharing more of myself. So. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And I love being here because we can talk about some of these difficult passages because I mean frankly, right. I haven't opened up to Joel yet in the Cultivate podcast. <laughs> you know? And I don't typically try to shy away from difficult passages, but this is such a great opportunity for us to mm-hmm. to go through and you can I've even felt, you know, today like a little bit like off my game some because this isn't where we always are. That's right. Yeah. But it's so good. It's and so I'm, good to and be I'm here. glad that we're here. And I'm glad yeah. for those who are listening because we really do need this mm-hmm. foundation yeah. to even understand the Gospels and Acts yes. more. And it's so fun. Start noting in your Bibles in the New Testament when Jesus or when Paul or when Peter is quoting. So when you see in bold, typically in your New Testament, if you see something in bold, it's usually that they're quoting something in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Go down to your little footnote and see if it says Joel, see if it says Hosea, see if it says Daniel. And that'll start getting really fun and eye-opening for these passages as well. And that's what we're doing. That's our heart for this reading plan is exactly that, that this, this book, though it's small and that we don't read it very often, most of us, it's here on purpose and uh-huh. it tells us about God. And so we and believe, be missing out to not read it. Right. Yes. And we're, we're missing something if we don't read it. And so I, I feel like there's a bit of a benediction in Joel for us, <laughs> even just the wording of you just read it, Kelly, Joel chapter two, verse 12, even now turn to me with all your heart. And that even now, it's like, what about right now? That's good. Just, just yeah. right now. Like mm-hmm. we always, we put so many qualifications on. These are the things I need to do in order to read the Bible well, or these are the things I need to do in order to come to God in prayer. Like that's mm-hmm. a thing that we do. Yeah. And it's no, just mm-hmm. even now, if we've learned anything from these it's books good. in this, this one hour conversation, it's that God is pursuing us. So the idea that we have some cleaning up to do before we can turn around and face him is crazy talk because he is pursuing us Yes, while we're in the midst of stuff that we don't even know, that that we aren't even seeing clearly, but he is in his holiness and his goodness. And so even now, and then we get that beautiful Isaiah 55 Verse one, come everyone who's thirsty, Mm -hmm. come to the water, you without silver, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without Mm -hmm. silver and without cost, even right now. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Amanda, that's it. You hit it. That ties it all up because we do think we've got to get it together Mm -hmm. before the Lord can have us back. And when you read the prophets, you realize... Oh no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh no. He was pursuing. He was ready. He was always calling for the return, even yes. in the bleakest, darkest, most godless places of sin. Mm-hmm. He was ready, compassionate, full of abounding love, slow to anger, ready for their return. And yes. when he allows us to return, it's not because of us. It's because, because of his of character, his covenant. Mm-hmm. It's because of him. And so there's so much freedom in that. Yes. I mean, like you both said, like it's free to us because it doesn't have anything to do with us except that we're invited. 
y'all, we have two more episodes in this series of the Old Testament. Trillia Newbell is coming next oh, week. Oh, what a Cannot treat. Cannot wait to what chat with her. And then to cap off um, our Old Testament series, Nancy Guthrie's coming. Oh, yeah. She has this whole series that she, I mean, she's just, she's just so prolific. Walking, she's the walking Old Testament. She's she has brilliant. this series called Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. And there's just like, I don't know how many books in the series, but it's she's just... I love her, and I happen to have the privilege of knowing her personally, and she's just a joy. I cannot wait for her to come. Anyway, but before we wrap, beauty, goodness, and truth, Kelly, I don't even have to explain it to you because you know the drill. (laughs) Where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, and truth? All right. So, the yeah, no. You know what? I am seeing beauty, goodness, and truth in my nieces and nephew, That in all of them, but the three that live close to me because I see them often. I am so reminded of just how children are such a gift and they're so excited about everything that's new. They show their expression mm-hmm. when they're happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, I just, it's been so renewing to be around them. Will's 10, Harper is about to turn nine, and Lily's about to turn four. And all the stages are just a joy. And I think it just, it renews innocence and hope and excitement for life. So I would say I'm seeing it in them right now. I love that. All right, friends, come back next week for all the good stuff. And in the in-between, we invite you to be women in the Word of God every day this week. We've teed up these six books of the Bible for you to get to read about throughout your week, to be walking with the Lord, the God of Israel, the God of all of these prophets, the God of you. So do that. Be a woman or man in the Word of God every day this week. Come back next week. And of course, Kelly, until then, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 